This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution, brought to you by Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage, Inc., the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals, and ADR Services, Inc. Today, we are going to be discussing a positive approach to mediation uh, with my guest, Mitch Terragotti. Um, by way of, of just brief introduction, uh, because I could go on and on about Mitch, um, Mitch has been engaged in dispute resolution work since 2012 and has resolved cases with complex issues by diplomatically and patiently bridging the divide between parties. He began his legal career as a sole practitioner uh, and associate at a boutique law firm uh, defending E&O claims against real estate agents and brokers and has represented institutional clients in low, mid, and high exposure tort and employment cases. He co-founded his own firm, uh, where in addition to his mediation practice, he pursued a balanced plaintiff and defense practice. And in 2017, was invited to join ADR Services. uh, And in late 2021, ceased practicing law completely to devote his efforts full-time to a mediation practice. Mitch uh, was born in Iran, but moved to England at the age of eight. Uh, He has studied in London uh, and has a bachelor's degree in business law, as well as a JD and an MBA focusing on the areas of corporate law and finance. Even more, Mitch is exceptionally astute at recognizing the issues to be addressed in order to resolve disputes. He's always the consummate gentleman. And I have had the privilege to get to know Mitch over the last five years, and uh, it has been enjoyable every time we've talked. Uh, So Mitch, um, we've we've now talked about uh, your bio and your background. Um, One of the things that that we discussed and we have discussed over, over time is, the importance of confidentiality, one of the cornerstones of, of mediation. Can you give us a comment in terms of how important confidentiality is to mediation process and to you? Sure, thank you, Len. First of all, um, thank you so much for your very gracious invitation to, uh, to be a part of your podcast. I also appreciate your very generous introduction. Um, I sure do miss the uh, the lunchtime chats we used to have with one another when we were doing this 
um, uh, in person, but uh, it, it's good. It's good to see you, and it's good to chat with you. Um, so confidentiality. Um, for me plays a very important role in the work that I do. Um, I, believe it or not, still circulate a confidentiality and mediation agreement that I ask the parties to review and execute before every one of my mediations. Uh, and that's really my way of really reinforcing the notion that confidentiality provides me a limited, safe place to do my work. And um, it's my way of also relaying to the parties by actually physically getting this document and hopefully reviewing it and executing it, that they are having a, um, a safe place where they can talk freely, they can exchange ideas without the, um, the concern that something is going to come back and bite them on the tush after the mediation. Um, it is actually on, on, on the cornerstones of confidentiality that I wanted to share with you that whatever comments I, I, um, I uh, go through today, I'm not pooling from any ongoing cases. Uh, I'm not going to be referring to any parties' names or you know, law firms or carriers, but rather um, you know, the speaking points are really from a series of of mediations where things just worked out great, where mm -hmm. counsel, uh, in every one of these uh, examples, it was counsel's um, act of doing something or their act of foregoing to do something that they could have done that ultimately was a very positive, very productive um, uh, event in the mediation. So I work to kind of extract a handful of these data points uh, from these experiences, I learned from the attorneys uh, when they did these things that I'm about to share, uh, and I thought it would be helpful for me to share them with your other attorney listeners so that uh, we can have an ongoing list of not only, you know, when things go bad, but rather my focus today of when things go great. And how can we recreate them? How can we say, oh, that's just like that other case I heard on Len's podcast. Let me try and do it this way because apparently it worked. Well, Mitch, thank you. Um, I, I think you somewhat have a tendency to downplay your own role in um, reaching the resolution, in, in those comments at least. Sure. Um, but uh, sometimes drawing out the, those, kinds of, those kinds of things that help resolve a case um, are, are things that attorneys may overlook and so what we're going to do is we're going to explore some of those areas. Now, one of the areas that that people are constantly uh, talking about is, well, my client is is so emotional about this. Mm -hmm. And and this is something that is that is uh, really, um, you know, making a decision based on rational thought is sometimes obscured by emotions. Could you, could you please just comment on sure. on that? Of course. So um, I'd like to just kind of clear the air, if I may, at the beginning. Mm. Um, uh, in, in our work, sometimes um, speaking to the mediator before a mediation or speaking to the mediator about uh, a client or a particular dynamic, sometimes it has that um, 
it has the stigma of you're ratting someone out or you're telling them about a problem or the you know the one that comes to mind is oh so and so needs to talk to the mediator he or she has client control problems um, I, I don't um, this may sound self-serving and I apologize for it but I don't see it in that paradigm I see it in the paradigm that people have paid really good money months in advance pick the person to serve as their mediator and that I, I as their mediator welcome any information that they can share with me uh, before uh, the, the session starts. Now focusing on those cases wherein at least one side has some extraordinary emotions in play, right? So when, when does that happen? That happens in my work uh, when we have, you know, very sad, uh, very emotional uh, injuries. Um, a very challenging fact pattern, uh, for example, you know, in tragedies, death cases, catastrophic injuries, uh, in some employment cases where in addition to the what happened wrong, there is an emotion that's kind of built on top of it. Right. Or the, the dispute is kind of surrounded with a, you know, a calcified set of feelings that are stopping the mediator from, from breaking in, right? So, so what do you do? Oftentimes, that information is not read, readily gleanable from the briefs, right? So it's, you know, right. this person did this to that person, and these are the injuries, and we want X, and then a corresponding brief from the other side. Uh, but, but, but rather, um, you know, in the cases that come to mind, it was the lawyers that had the foresight to pull me aside before the mediation started and apprised me of, you know, what I'm walking into. You know, sometimes the party who is, you know, uh, dealing with these emotions, sometimes they want to be right. Sometimes uh, they want you to relive their pain journey or their experience. Sometimes um, they want to just prove to you that they will never feel the same way again. Sometimes they want to show you that they're broken. Um, I can think of one where, you know, the party had the medical records and the doctor's names and all the diagnosis committed to memory. Um, so had the lawyer not had the foresight to have said, hey, Mitch, I just want to tell you a few things. Uh, uh, um, the case would not have resolved. Why? Because I would not have been able to identify as quickly the landmines that were waiting for me in the other room. We're going to take a break for a second. Sure. Uh, and when we get back, we're going to get more into what what occurred in that instance sure. and, uh, and more. And uh, we will also be talking about how important it is for parties to feel respected and heard in mediation. Um, we will be back in a moment. This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io. Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, NADN.org, is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today, with over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, 
case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online, making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.nadn.org today. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and my guest is mediator Mitch Terragotti. Mitch, we are we have been discussing emotions and and what attorneys have done well. And you were about to relay a story. Uh, could, do you want to continue with that? Sure, of course. Yeah. So, so in in the particular case that I was I was uh, sharing with you, um, the uh, attorney for one side had the the foresight um, to alert me to these other emotions that were in play these concepts that the client was wedded to and um, my comment was that had the lawyer not had that foresight and not had that um, uh, experience to be able to tell me look until we address these issues uh, none of the negotiations are going to be fruitful so it was a three four minute meeting tops it allowed me to better gauge my audience it allowed me to give my audience an opportunity to be actually heard. Um, so it's not just me being a warm body in the room, but for me to actually pay attention and focus to what I was hearing. It allowed that participant to have a higher degree of ownership over the process. This was this person's mediation. It was not my mediation. It's not the lawyer's mediation. It's their mediation. Um, so by paying um, by paying homage to uh, the attorneys, again, I keep using the word foresight because that's what it was. Mm-hmm. By paying homage to that foresight and really capitalizing on it, I was able to build a far stronger connection with the client, um, where with time you could tell authentically that the client's guards per se came down or at least their suspicions or their skepticisms that their emotions had evoked and build a wall against them those were slowly starting to become more permeable um, and you know on that particular case we had a successful outcome and and again um, I chalk it down to a variety of things I came last but the lawyers comments certainly came first and candidly in that case the defense lawyers uh, gave me the space and mm-hmm. the time to focus my attention on the front end where I thought it needed to be. And right. there was no complaints of, oh, you spent too much time with them or you're neglecting us or you don't want to talk to us. So it was a really good example of when lawyers on both sides uh, alert me to something and allow me the space and the room to work it. And, and that, that requires the lawyers to take the time and put in the effort to talk to their clients and actually listen to the clients about what is truly bothering them. What we sometimes refer to in in mediation is the below the line issues. Mm -hmm. What issues, uh, what are those those interests, below the line interests, I should say. Mm -hmm. What are those interests that are driving the positions that are being taken? So the lawyer listening to the client first and foremost, 
conveying that to the mediator and alerting them to the problem. You also bring up something that's very interesting as well, and that is the defense giving you the, the room to do that. If the defense recognizes that there is something that is, that is impeding uh, the, the progress of a, a resolution, uh, that's, I think, somewhat helpful, uh, somewhat helpful as well, correct? Mm-hmm. To, to, totally, yeah, and and I think as a as an offshoot of our discussion, Len, mm-hmm. um, there's there's a, a another example that comes to mind, mm-hmm. um, and um, I can think of two cases uh, mediated some time ago, wherein without a face-to-face reconciliation conversation. Mm-hmm. That doesn't always have to be an apology with an acceptance of an apology, but uh, some kind of a conversation, there would not be a settlement. Uh, one was a personal injury case uh, wherein a party had to make uh, personal contributions, mm-hmm. and the personal contributions were a fraction of what was required to settle the case. But uh, miraculously, it was the power of human connections between the defendant who could not pay out of pocket what a plaintiff wanted and the plaintiff that clearly felt that they were entitled to some higher amount over and beyond the available policy limits. Um, Had they not have had the conversation wherein there was an acknowledgement of something bad that had happened, an acknowledgement of what that bad thing had caused one side, you know, some silence and moments of reflection. I mean, I remember the meetings. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, a moment of contemplation. Mm-hmm. And I can remember in one case, there was emotions and out, out exterior crying, not just sadness on the inside, but mm-hmm. both sides just started crying. And then there was a hug. Mm-hmm. And, and then we went to our separate rooms. And, and, and that one personal injury case that I can recall, but for that, the mm-hmm. case would have never have settled because ultimately it was about money, but it was also about something else. Right. Um, and parties, and, and sometimes uh, attorneys may not recognize that readily, that that it is this the something else that is that must be addressed. Um, and one of the things that you raised is having a joint session. Now, joint sessions are exceedingly rare, uh, at least in the California culture. Um, They're exceedingly rare. And my experience has been that when I have suggested them oftentimes, and, and it may not even be for an emotional issue, it may just be that facilitating the exchange of information in its in and of itself may have value. Mm-hmm. I may get some resistance uh how how do you address uh, what answers do you give to attorneys who have resistance just on a kind of a uh let's say a a, a basis of i just don't do them kind of basis uh to meet in in a a joint session uh uh, that that, that's that's a great inquiry uh again apologies if uh this sounds Mm self-serving i'll tell you what i do Okay, Mm -hmm. so let's go with the general rule. No one likes joint sessions. And for Mm -hmm. me, a joint session is when everyone gets together to talk about the merits. 
Mm -hmm. right to talk about the merits was it a left light was it a red light or a green light was there a wrongful termination was there a harassment was he or she a supervisor those are the merits of the case so yes the knee-jerk reaction that most people have if not all of them is i don't want to do joint sessions i don't do them as a matter of course i don't want to talk to the other side i don't want to see the other side that that's that's all par for the course uh so w what do i do i i i pitch this idea only when it's necessary, only when it's really required from a viewpoint of what's the downside, and we talk about the downside with each side separately, and if there is a measurable downside, we don't do it. Very clear. But mm -hmm. if there is no measurable downside for either side, then I look at it from the place of why not, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when we, when we do things one way, right, we have... Right that kind of myopic approach, it's always, well, why? Why should I do it? Right. But when you look at it from the paradigm of, we've talked about that there's no downside, why not? Mm -hmm. um, then I think it really changes things. In terms of prepping, uh, my approach is very clear. I prep the attorneys or I work with the attorneys first, mm -hmm. then the attorneys go away and prep their clients and work with them. Mm -hmm. Then you know I get everyone in, in the room that's necessary. I say to them, this is a safe place, this is a neutral place, I will moderate a series of monologues, mm -hmm. right? Meaning mm -hmm. that one side talks, one side listens, then the other side talks, and the other side listens, so there's never any crossover, etc. Basically, to create a safe environment for us to talk about the non-case-related barriers to settlement. We get mm -hmm. those out of the way, hopefully people process it the right way, and then we talk about the case-related issues. Right. Well, we are chatting with Mitch Terragotti, uh, getting some incredibly valuable information, helpful information for attorneys who are approaching and preparing for a mediation. And um, when we get back, we are going to be discussing the mediation where, where each side sees the other side as a problem and how we can separate the people from the problem. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there's so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with lawyer-specific insurance brokerage on your side, you won't have to. They're professional liability experts, shop California's leading professional liability carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the right price. Lawyer-specific founders Alan Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest rated providers of lawyers' professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California and find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to lawyerspecific.com and click request a quote. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Again, I am Lynn Levy, and my guest is Mitch Terragotti. We're on podclips.io. Uh, Mitch, I, I wanted to uh, talk about the, um, the separating the people from the problem. There, there's a tendency to view, uh, on, on the part of many people, to view the, the problem as these two don't get along, so we can't get this thing settled. What's your comment to them? 
<laughs> sure, sure. So, let, I mean, let's take a step back. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the work we do and, you know, the introduction that you gave, we talked about confidentiality. Mm-hmm. You know, the work we do does, you know, occur somewhat in a bubble, right? This confidentiality bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we can't lose sight of the fact that um, uh, we live in uh, somewhat polarized times, maybe more polarized now than they were before. Uh, you know, our politics uh, has become more polarized. Social media has lent itself to, you know, people being more polarized. Um, current affairs, international politics and affairs. So there is a fair uh, amount of opportunities, let's say, for one person to garner this us versus them, the me against them um, mentality. And, you know, the way that I see it is, what do you do when there is more than just the disputed facts in dispute? Uh, you know, that, that was an awkward conversation, but I think you, you get my point. You know, right. when, when is there a mediation within the mediation in the books for you as the mediator, and how do you pick that up? So, um, you know, s- some, some situations uh, in separating the people from the problem, you know, they occur when uh, councils tactics or strategies with one another has, you know, given some bad flavors, right, bad aromas. Um, When uh, it becomes about competition or, uh, you know, winning or beating between the lawyers, when it comes to do with maintaining or preserving a reputation with the other side. I've heard this many times, oh, Mitch, we can't do that because if we do that on this case, we'll have to do it on the 40 other cases that I have with this firm or with this carrier or with this individual. So, so these things have nothing to do with the merits of the case. They're, as you said, you know, off balance sheet or below the, below the line considerations. Um, and, and, you know, y- you can tell when they're in play because the narratives at the beginning of the mediation isn't about the accident or the employment relationship that went south, but it's really about, let me tell you what they've been doing in this case. Let me tell you about their tactics. Let me tell you what they did to you know, win the MSJ or defeat the MSJ. Let me tell you what they've done to me in discovery. I've got you know, 10 IDCs lined up for this side. So, and then, then you're like, okay, I need to take a step back and, and really separate the, the people issue dispute versus the actual factual dispute. Um, obviously, it requires a, a degree of uh, tact and diplomacy by the mediator because you never want to create the impression that the lawyers are not getting along and that you need to come along and set things right. Um, certainly that's not my bedside manners. That's not how I function as a mediator. You know, I'm not the principal and I'm not here to, you know, take care of things when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. However, I think that a very candid conversation, again, authentically with the lawyers, that basically says, look, um, we can talk about the issues that have not settled the case mm-hmm. so far for the right. next four hours. I'm happy to do that if you think that's the best way to spend our time. Or we can make this mediation about what it's really about, which is the dispute between your, your clients, right? right. And, right. and I think if, if you can do that, 
the better you know professional relationships you have with your lawyers the better listening you have for them the greater chance you'll have that they will have listening for you to kind of what i call reroute the conversation what you're talking about essentially is it, it might be an emotional approach from an attorney that may get get in the way of the discussion and and rerouting it is just is simply seeing that the attorneys can refocus their point of view refocus their efforts and and be more productive exactly that, that's uh, that essentially is what you're talking about right? absolutely that wonderful reframing Len. Mm -hmm. thank you uh, I guess you do this for a living uh, <laughs> so and and this this reframing that you that you are so succinctly articulating again it's not a criticism it's not that anyone's doing anything wrong but you know from the mediators vantage point in the middle without picking sides but being able to look left and look right and mm -hmm. being able to say well is that gonna is that gonna work or do we need a, do we need a um, a, another approach. What I like to do is I just like to put out a rather generic statement. You know, it's a very, maybe it's a naive statement, but it's really uh, this. Are we here to settle, you know, Johnson versus Johnson? Right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and if both parties, after they may him and haw, or after they may, they may roll their eyes, or, you know, they go through those iterations, if they say, yeah, of course we're here to settle it. Right. That tells me that now we have a recommitment towards settlement. Right. In mm -hmm. other words, we're willing to put bygones be bygones on this particular case about this discovery thing that happened that I didn't appreciate or this, you know, mm -hmm. you didn't you didn't uh, notice depots keeping my calendar in mind, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, but basically saying, look, that's not going to settle the case me re reconciling this between the attorneys is not going to settle the case but rather us focusing on why we're really here can you put it all aside for today right. uh, that will settle the case and it requires the attorneys to have an opening to have that conversation with the mediator most do you know in a very 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 high percentage of cases you know people kind of get it off of their chest which is their right to do so and maybe that's part of my job as well. But then they say, okay, well, now that you know all of these things, let's get to work. And then guess what? We get to work. And, and you know, one of the one of the challenges of, of that is when the attorney is voicing that in front of his client or her client. Mm -hmm. uh, my experience has been that the attorney is modeling in in a number of directions one is look the the client is wanting to hear the legal advice that they hired the attorney to give uh usually <laughs> there are some exceptions but um but also the behavior of the attorney and the mood that is created uh it, it creates a a negative energy i think uh if the attorney models that way could you could you briefly comment on that? Sure. Well, of, of course, um, we as the mediators, Len, are only privy to the conversations in which we are to which we're invited, mm -hmm. right? So right. Um, assuming in our absence, 
the narrative from attorney to client is the same as the narrative that they have when we're outside of the room, you're absolutely right. There may be some, some uh, duplication that may take place or adoption that the client may take from what they're hearing from their lawyer. Um, I'd like to stand for the possibility that um, there are sometimes things that the mediator hears that they are intentionally hearing because they are supposed to know it, recognize it, and get to work with it. But I also appreciate the fact that sometimes I hear things because it's really code word for the speaker wanting the other side to hear it. Okay, right. And in that respect, I do appreciate that maybe my role in that instance is more of a messenger. And that way I don't get too, too wrapped up in, oh, my God, is this lawyer framing the case for their, for their client, which may ultimately refute the ability to settle the case at right. 1 o'clock or at 6 o'clock. Right. Well, th thank you. I'm chatting with Mitch Terragotti. Uh, this is Len Levy. We're on podclips.io. We're going to take a quick break and... Um, in our final segment, we are going to be talking about essentially when a PC tries to talk to a Mac computer. <laughs> we'll be right back. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder, Lucy Barron, for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. All right, welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Again, I'm Len Levy, and Mitch Terragotti is my guest. Uh, we are talking about keeping things positive in mediation as Mitch is very, very adept at doing. And one of the time, one of the things that we, we had talked about at some point in, in our conversations is that, uh, and, and Mitch used a phrase, what, what happens when the PC and the Mac are not compatible and don't talk to each other? So would you explain that just a little bit, Mitch? <laughs> I guess, yeah, of course. Uh, and thank you for uh, adopting my, uh, my interesting little uh, uh, vernaculars. So, you know, I, I guess um, it's not so much a joke, but an example that I give in my mediations, I say, have you ever heard the joke about the Mac and the PC that walk into the bar? And then mm -hmm. they look at me and I look at them. I'm like, exactly, nothing happens because <laughs> Macs and PCs don't talk to each other. Right, you know, a Mac and a PC are not compatible with one another. Right, they don't speak the same language. They don't have the same, and you know, the code or or what have you. So, um, when when does that happen in my mediations, such that we have a speaking point to talk about it here on your podcast? It, it comes up in my cases where it is abundantly clear from the get-go that one side wants to talk about facts details, evidence, they want to talk about page line references to deposition, you know, transcripts, they want to talk about, you know, 
rulings that judges have made and similar cases, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, um, the minutia, mm -hmm. and the other side just wants to talk about one thing, and that's money. So, so we have this situation where um, one side wants to talk about the details and talk about, you know, the money later, what we call tabling the money issue. And the other side says, well, we'll deal with those details later if we can't settle, but here's my, here's my demand, right? And then we have the proverbial Mac versus the PC. Um, so obviously, if you just kind of walk in the, the rooms somewhat cavalier, not caring that there is this tug of war going on between the two sides, you're obviously going to upset people. Um, and you might frustrate people such that then you as the mediator or maybe your approach as the mediator itself becomes part of the list of the problems why the case hasn't settled. As I'm sure you'd appreciate that as the mediator, that is literally the last thing that we want is to become viewed as part of the problem. Right. right? We're the conduit. Absolutely. We work hard to be the conduit through which the settlement discussions can be had between the parties. Um, so you know in cases where that comes up and you know it's more often than what you'd appreciate uh, it really um, imposes on the mediator uh, a way to um, to to communicate with the attorneys and say look I'm not diminishing the fact that you have these details and that you think that they're great regarding liability or whatever it is right but you have to also appreciate that unless I wrap that up with an offer, it will never be taken as seriously as without the offer. And you go to the other room and say, look, I appreciate that you're here to monetize these injuries or monetize this damage that has, has occurred, but they won't talk to me with the level of severity that you, counsel, would want them to talk to me about unless I have some responses or unless I have some willingness for you to also engage in what they want to engage. In other words, can we do both, right? Yeah. Can we talk details and monetize those details, right? Can we talk about money but also talk about why you think that amount of money is justified? Uh, you know, more often than not, um, you know, people accept my, you know, humble approach of rerouting that conversation. So it doesn't just become the Mac and the PC, but it's really about the Mac and the PC finding a common language that they can discuss in and that they can have a, you know, flow of information. Uh, and then that way, once we get the details out of the way, there's nothing to talk about but the money. Right. Um, so ultimately, both sides get what they want, but it requires a degree of, you know, what I would call mental flexibility, or some would say trust in the mediator to be a good chaperone. Right. Uh, but it requires that, and and once the attorneys kind of give that up to me a little bit, then I can do my work for them. Right. And and uh, this this type of approach that you've just described is an approach that requires, it seems to me, an open mind on the part of the attorneys to actually start talking about those kinds of things that the other side wants to talk about. Uh, that, that provides that kind of bridge. You know, it's, it's almost, uh, it, it brings to mind cross-cultural kinds of disputes because very often 
the negotiating style of a of someone from one uh, ethnic background may not be the same as from another ethnic background or the things that are prioritized in importance may not be the same. Uh, I, I remember uh, mediating one uh, where the the concept of honor was was the the number one uh, the number one priority so that an a a discussion about how much money they're going to save by paying money that 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 they feel is not owed and would dishonor them to pay it um, gets in the way can you comment on that sure sure um, you, you know um, I think being a mediator is the best job in the world okay and I'm very um, very very fortunate to have an opportunity to do what I do for my clients mm -hmm. but sometimes um, sometimes people or maybe just in my household sometimes it's like oh you know uh, life is easy breezy as a mediator and I beg to differ mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I beg to differ um, is I think mediators have to constantly focus and have their radars on uh, on you know full power settings to pick up these nuances mm -hmm. and I think the the intercultural or the cross-cultural observations that you just shared with us is an example of when the mediator needs to you know pick up on these types of notions um, you know one expression that I oftentimes use is um, having your finger on the pulse mm -hmm. right I think that uh, mediators and I'm I can say almost all mediators that I know, I know a lot of great mediators, their friends, colleagues, they they apparently know that how to put their finger on the pulse, how to quickly figure out, oh, that's the problem within the problem here. Or oh, I need to I need to clear the air between these lawyers. Oh or oh, in your example, there is this cultural notion that I need to address. You know, I have a person who is advocating for a deceased family member. Mm -hmm. This mediation is all about making sure that the outcome honors the life of uh, the person that has been lost. And, and, and I think that um, the, the mediators, it's kind of like a two-part two -part dance. The mediator having their finger on the pulse to be able to pick up these nuances and then the mediator having a good enough reputation with the lawyers such that the lawyers allow you to modify your game plan to account for these nuances. Um, so um, I, I hope I was able to give my, my humble two cents right. on that issue. And on everything else, Mitch, I, I will tell you we're, we're at the end. And I, before, we, before we cut, I'd like to ask you, what is the best way for people who want to get in touch with you to contact you? I appreciate that. Um, obviously, open to all of your listeners. Uh, cell phone is the best way. Text message 818-687-1950. Uh, 818-687-1950. I have two very young children, so I'm up early and I sleep late. So uh, <laughs> that's carte, carte blanche for your, for your listeners to call or text me anytime that they want. Well, thank you, thank, thank you, you, Mitch. I, I I so appreciate this conversation, and I hope you will be back as a guest in the future. I and uh, 
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Daryl Wayne, engineer, and Mark Allen, who, who is a producer on the show. I'm Len Levy, and this is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io, powered by Infogen Labs, Inc. Uh, I'm your host, Len Levy, and you can reach me uh, at Levy at advices.com or through my website, lenlevymediate.com, or you can call my cell phone. 818-903-5562. In the meantime, stay well, keep listening, and remember, peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved.